and then make you feel bad as well, okay? Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you, um, have you ever lied? Okay, yeah, just wait. Just wait. It's okay. Have you ever lied? Don't raise your hand or anything like that, okay? Now, here's the full question. Have you ever lied in an attempt to assure someone that you could be trusted? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever lied in an attempt to ensure somebody, yeah, I can be trusted. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, no, you're good, right? Uh, Sarah and I, Sarah Spees and I, we were talking this week. Um, she, she is working at a new place, and when she interviewed for the place, they asked her, do, can you, do you know how to use Excel? And she said, yeah, I know how to use Excel. You know, it's kind of a typical question of a place that uses Excel. Do you know how to use it? Yes, I do. And they said, great, good, prove it, take this test. And they gave her an Excel test, right? And we were talking about why that is, and our assumption was it had to be because at one point in time, somebody interviewed for this job, and they were like, do you know how to use Excel? And somebody was like, of course I know how to use Excel. Are you kidding me? And they got hired, and then that person went in their card and was like, hey, Siri, what's Excel? Right? I mean, somebody did that. At one point in time, somebody did that. So now when somebody interviews for that job, they have to actually, like, take a test to prove that they actually know how to use Excel because there has been a time or two where somebody has lied in order to look good. Let me put this question a little bit different way. Ha- have you ever compromised your integrity to protect your reputation as someone who has integrity? Have you ever compromised your integrity in order to protect your reputation as someone who actually has integrity? You've covered it up to look good. Because this is, this is, this is the weird thing that, that we all go through, and we all know this is true. Sometimes, sometimes we're willing to, look, to be bad in order to, to look good, right? Sometimes we will be bad in order to look good. Or sometimes, as we say, you know, to, to keep the peace or, or to make everybody happy. There's sometimes where we, where we lie, where we cheat, where we steal, we, we compromise our integrity in order to look good. And, you know, I, man, I remember, I don't know how your family is about this, but, man, my dad, honesty was, like, the biggest thing. It was, like, the thing above all things. Like, my dad, if I ever lied to him, you would have think I punched him in the face. He, 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 he used to tell me this, and I remember this so many times. He would say, I would rather you tell me the truth and hurt me than lie to me and inevitably hurt me the most. My dad would always tell me that. He's like, I always want you to tell me the truth, no matter if it's going to hurt my feelings, no matter wh- what, it, what it may mean for me. I know it's going to hurt me. I know I may not want to hear it, but that's fine. I would rather you do that and tell me the truth and us have an honest relationship than inevitably I find out you lied to me and you really, really, really hurt me. And so we, we've been talking about this, right? Integrity. What is Integrity. And, and, and integrity is, is doing the right thing because it, it's the right thing to do, even if it costs you. Doing the right thing because it's the right thing, even if it costs you. I mean, this is what heroes are made of, right? It's people who do the right thing just because it's the right thing. And the thing is, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, it really doesn't matter. I mean, we all... We all have this pull, right? We all feel like this internal ought to that we have. This, inside of us, this, this idea of integrity, this, this ought to, that, that actually we, we assume everyone around us is accountable to. But we know that it didn't originate with you. 
It's this ought to inside of us where it's just like it's this feeling in our conscience of we know what we need to do. And we assume everybody's accountable to it. I mean, when we, we talked about lying last week, we said, you know, nobody ever agrees, okay, we're not going to lie to each other, right? Before we become friends, before we date, before we enter into a business relationship, let's agree. What's your stance on lying? You're against it? Okay, no, because we just assume. We just assume that lying is wrong, that hurting somebody is wrong, that cheating is wrong, that stealing is wrong. Because why? Because it's written on our hearts, and you know, and that's the thing, we, we know many times the right thing we need to do. Many times we don't even need to be told. We know it didn't originate with us. I mean, if it did originate with us, we would just move it because honestly, a lot of times it's an obstacle. A lot of times it makes us feel guilty, right? When we, do, when we go against the ought to that we're supposed to do, that holds sway over you, well, man, we just, we feel terrible when we do the wrong thing. But that's the thing, Right? A lot of us, and you see this all over in culture right now, here's the way that we try to get over this, is, man, if I could just get everybody to get on board, there's this ought to inside of me that I, I feel like is wrong, this thing that I want to do, but I know I ought not to do. If I could get everybody on board and agree with me that, that this is okay, if we could just, if we could normalize this, then I wouldn't feel guilty. We would all agree that we're not going to listen to this ought to inside of you that we've been holding everybody accounted to. So let's just, let's just, let's just get over this. Let's affirm this. Let's, let's normalize this, right? And here's the thing. Here, here's, the, here's a little warning sign. When you, when you need others to affirm what you want to do, it's proof that there's an ought to inside of you that holds sway over you. And I'll give you a great example. I'll give you a great example of lying, right? Me and my small group, we debated about this all week, which, by the way, you don't ever want to be in a small group with your pastor because it is a mind melt, okay? You don't ever want to do that. But we had a long conversation. Is it ever okay to lie? And we, we kind of went back and forth for a little bit. Well, maybe it's okay to lie if you're trying to protect somebody, if you're trying not to hurt somebody. Maybe it's okay to lie, Right? I mean, I even remember whenever I was a teenager, we had the conversation of whether it was ever okay to cheat. Is it ever okay to cheat on your homework? Is it ever okay to cheat on your test? Well, maybe, right? And any time we talk about this, if we talk about stealing, if we talk about cheating, if we talk about lying, if we talk about hurting somebody or, or anything like that, what we always say is, well, well, well it depends, right? It depends on the circumstances, but let me tell you what that actually means. When you say that, here's, here's the translation. When the circumstances benefit me or my friend, it's okay. That's what you really mean. When is it ever okay to lie? When is it ever okay to steal? Well, it depends. Does it benefit me? Because if it benefits me, I'm kind of okay with it. But the truth is, is that if anybody ever lied to you, if you ever found out somebody lied to you, you would never, ever, ever, ever be okay with it. There's never been a time in your life where you found out somebody lied to you and you said, oh, okay, I get it, man. No, it's fine. You know, never been a time somebody's cheated you or stolen from you where you've been like, yeah, yeah that, was, that was a wise thing to do. Good thing. I mean, I'm not even hurt by that. That was just good, right? You've never done that. So then why? Then why in the world is it ever okay? See, here's the thing that happens. And this is why my, my small group is like, why in the world are we talking about this? Because this is like really serious to you, right? Because here's why. Because when you hold somebody accountable to an ought to that doesn't apply to you, you're a hypocrite. And that's what we do all the time. 
is we believe in an ought to that we hold others accountable to, but you don't think it applies to you. And that makes you a hypocrite. And I believe, I've been really thinking about this and praying about this, I think the hypocrisy of Christianity is one of the biggest things that has turned people away from Christianity. So as Christians, we can't be hypocrites. We can't afford to be hypocrites. If there's an ought to inside of you that you think applies to everybody else, then it, then it also has to apply to you as well. Now, we also talked about, too, how that ought to inside of us, it, it has to be anchored to something, right? It has to be anchored to something. It has to be a foundation. There has to be a, a someone or a, a something that it comes from because we know it didn't originate with us. There, there's, there's an idea of divinity there, right? And so we talked about this. This said the, the, the moment that, that we justify a behavior in our minds, you acknowledge the existence of the divine, whether you believe in it or not. If you believe, let's say, I mean, I, I have many friends who are atheists, right? And some of them may even be listening to this, and that's totally okay, all right? We have these conversations all the time. If you're an atheist and you believe that there's nothing else out there, well, well then integrity is just a made-up word. And if integrity is just a made-up word, if there's not an, an internal ought to that's inside of you that holds sway over you, well, well, then, I mean, the word fair, right, just, moral, those are, those are all just made-up words. And, and so we have to pay attention to this. And if there's an ought to, I think it's a, a, a great conversation starter that we can agree that there is something. I believe it's God, but you may not believe it's God. But there's something. There's something divine that is anchoring us to an ought to inside of you. And now, Paul, he understood what this was because he saw it in the Gentiles. Before, in the Old Testament, morality, justice, fair, that all came from the Old Testament. It came from the Torah. It came from the 613 Old Testament laws and commands. But then, when, when, when Jesus died, died and rose again and gave us this new covenant, well, then all of a sudden they saw these Gentiles that somehow these Gentiles, without knowing any scripture, without knowing any Torah, they knew what to do. And, and, and Paul said, this is the law of God. It's the law of God written on their hearts. And so we talked about for us as Christians, we have to be people of integrity. We have to be people of integrity because when we do the right thing, when, when we do the right thing because it's the right thing, well, then we're not just being good people. We're acknowledging the rule of God. We're following the law of God written on our hearts. And we're participating in the kingdom of God. Now, the thing is, though, when it comes to integrity, and I want you to think about this for a minute, it's really hard, right? And, and, and the thing that's hard about integrity is proximity. Proximity creates the potential for friction, right? When we're close together, when we're in these relationships, proximity, it creates the potential for friction with other people which really actually amplifies or increases the demand for integrity, right? You know, I remember, so Darren, our bass player, we were in youth group together. We were in youth group together, and then um, we, we went and we were roommates in college, okay? And, I mean, Darren and I never, ever, ever had a disagreement in youth group, never had a problem as friends. But when we became roommates, proximity, what happens? Friction, right? 
And then we had disagreements. And, and I remember specifically, probably our, it was probably our first disagreement that we ever had. It was freshman year. We lived on a hall with a bunch of guys. And Darren was in our dorm room doing his homework, working on his computer. And a bunch of guys came in, took my laptop, and changed the background of my laptop. And I mean, not just changed it, but changed it to something like obscene, okay? Like it was like naked David Hasselhoff or something, okay? And changed it left, and then I came in, and here's David Hasselhoff on my laptop, right? And I looked at Darren, and I was like, Darren, how could you allow this to happen? And I don't even remember what Darren said. I think he just shrugged at me. I was like, I don't know. I mean, just, but we were like, I was like, hey, man, I got to know. I got to know that you're going to have my back. I know I got to know that you're going to do the right thing, you know, do the right thing by me. Do the right thing because it's right. Come on, man. I need you to have my back. We're roommates here, right? Now, you look at that and you're like, that's not that big a deal. But here's the problem. Back then, I didn't know how to change my laptop background back. <laughs> you know, it seems like a harmless prank. But for five days, I went to class, and I had to sit in the back of every classroom because when I opened up my laptop in class, I had a naked David Hasselhoff on there, right? So, I mean, that's why it was such a big deal to me, all right? Because we didn't always have Google back then to be able to just go, how do I get David Hasselhoff off of my laptop, okay? Uh, but you know what I'm talking about, proximity, right? Proximity creates friction. I mean, some of you guys, you've had the best year ever with your coworkers because you've worked satellite or from home, right? And you don't have to see anybody. And when you are not in proximity to one another, man, there's a lot less friction, right? But proximity creates the potential for friction. It's one of those reasons why I tell, you know, people who are dating, don't move in with one another. Don't move in with one another because when you move in with one another, Proximity creates friction. And if you haven't made a commitment to one another, if you haven't married with one another, then man, if there's, there's nothing really keeping you from you know, not, not being a person of integrity. So you, you have to beware of that proximity because proximity in relationships creates the potential for integrity. Parents, you know this, right? It doesn't take much to have a baby, right? All it takes is a little biology. But proximity with your kids creates integrity, or creates, creates friction and demands integrity, right? It's why we have things like the married people getaway. we got to separate you guys every once in a while, okay? Because proximity creates the potential for friction. It's there, and it's evident. But it's not just, it's not just that. It, I mean, the external pressure. There's these external pressures everywhere to compromise rather than preserve our integrity. And it's, it's relentless, I mean, think about this. There is stuff everywhere that is constantly challenging your integrity. Look at where, we, where, we at, where we're at today, right? All this stuff with, with, with COVID and, and with, you know, the financial system and our ec ec economy and everything. I mean, there's just so many external pressures that are out there to, to, to compromise your integrity. But not just that, not only the external pressures, but the internal pressures too, the internal pressure to compromise your own integrity because there's things every day that you just, you want to do. Things that you know will benefit you, make you feel good. And there's always an internal pressure to compromise rather than preserve your integrity. And, and the thing is, is that if you think about integrity, and this is why we're talking about it in this church, because this is not really a religious thing. It, it's a thing thing, right? It's a life thing. But the reason we're talking about it is because if you think about it, in every other area of your life, 
if you ever want to get better at something, right, if you want to get better at something or improve yourself or learn a new skill, you can go read a book, you can get a coach, you, you can hire somebody to help you, you can take a class, but when it comes to integrity, there's no thing or coach or book out there that tells you how to improve your integrity, how, how to preserve your integrity, how to, how, how, to, how to deflect all of the internal and external temptations that there are out there. So my advice to you is good luck, God bless, and I'll pray for us and we'll beat all the Baptist lunch today, right? No, 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 no. Can't do that, right? There actually is something that we can do, but this is the great thing about Christianity. This is the thing that Christianity offers us and offers the world that God is trying to do. Because while nobody out there is really teaching integrity or showing us how to have integrity, because they don't know how to, because here's the truth, because it didn't originate with them. We can't teach anything that it didn't originate with us, because we didn't create it. It's something that is anchored to the divine. So the only way to get better at it is to what? Look to the divine. And so when we look to the divine, th there is this guiding light, this, 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 this advice that we can take, that, that we can use in order to preserve our integrity. And so that's what I want to share with you today, and it comes from the book of Proverbs. If you don't know about the book of Proverbs, it's, it's, it's known as a wisdom book, and, and it's compiled, it's different sayings and, and wisdom that we get. And it comes from several different authors. Obviously, if you don't know, uh, the, the main contributor to the book of Proverbs is King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. The man who asked God for wisdom and was granted that so he could lead the Israelites. And so in Proverbs, he writes this. He says, the integrity of the upright guides them. The integrity of the upright guides them. Let me ask you something. What guides you? What guides you? What, what guides your decision-making? What, what, what is it? And the thing is, is I think we all, I know all of you, all of you are good people, all of you who are watching or listening, you're all good people. And I know, I know that at the end of your life, when your life is nothing more than a story to tell, what you want told is you would want people to say they were a person of integrity. But here's the thing, how do you know if you have good integrity? How do you know if you've preserved your integrity? Well, here's how. We don't know if integrity guides us until maintaining our integrity costs us. See, you really don't know if you're a good person. See, if I said, are you a good person? You're like, yeah, I'm a good person. Because why? Well, because I don't lie. Yeah, but the times that you haven't lied, I bet if I dug in there, what I would find is you haven't lied because it didn't cost you, right? But, but if, I, if, if there was ever a time where it came to where if you told the truth, then it cost you, what did you do in that? What did you do then when it was going to cost you? When it, when it came to you could, either, you could either cheat and pass the test or pass the class, or you could be a person of integrity and do the right thing because it was the right thing to do, but it meant you weren't going to pass the test or you weren't going to pass the class, then what did you do? See, it's not until it costs you that you really know if you're a person of integrity. Because everybody can be a person of integrity as long as it works for them. But that's the thing with integrity, right? We kind of bend what's right and what's wrong and what's true and what's fair and what's just 
as long as it works out for us, as long as it's something that, that, that we want to actually do. Now, he, we'll go back to that, that, that verse. He says, the integrity of the upright, the integrity of the upright guides them. Now, that word upright in the Hebrew, do you know what that means? It means stand up straight. It's very basic. So you guys could really translate Hebrew better than you think, right? The integrity of the, the upright. The upright means to be upright, right? Stand it up all the way is what we say in CrossFit, right? I mean, it's to stand it up all the way, to be upright. And when I'm upright, where am I looking? Looking ahead, straight ahead, right? I can see over all of your heads right now. I feel so tall. It's the first time in my life. It's the only, this is the only place, only place in the world where I feel tall, right? But I, I can see ahead when I'm upright. Now, what's the opposite of upright? When I'm hinged, right? When I'm not looking, when I'm not upright, I'm bent over or I'm hinged at the hip. And where am I looking? I'm looking down, right? And that's what he says. He says, the upright, the people who are upright, what, what are they doing? They're always looking ahead. They're looking towards the future. Your posture, your posture influences your future. See, the thing is, is if I'm, if I'm always looking down, and we'll talk, he, he talks about this later on, we'll talk about it in a little bit. When, if I'm always looking down, if I'm always just looking at what's in front of me, well, oh, man. That's really tough because there's always things in front of me, always things in front of me that I want to say, always things in front of me I want to do, always things in front of me that I want to grab. I mean, there's always opportunities in front of me, things I could do with my money, things I could do with my time, things I could do with my sexuality, things I could do uh, with, with my mouth. And the thing is, though, is that a lot of those things that are just in front of me, they're, they're short rewards, right? They're small things. And really, if I thought about it, they're not things that I want in the long run, in the long game, right? So he goes, the integrity of the upright guides them. Because people of integrity, they're not just for the here and now and for the short term. They're looking ahead. They're looking at what they want in the future. They're looking for what they really, truly want. Craig Rochelle, he, uh, he, he put out an Instagram post this week that I wrote down. It fits so well with the sermon. This is what he said. Craig Rochelle said, discipline is choosing what we want most over what we want now. See, it's difficult, but, but the choice that we have is to be upright and to look ahead or, or, or to be crooked and to look down at only at what is in front of us. And Craig Rochelle, Pastor Craig Rochelle, he says, we have to choose to be upright. We have to choose to look ahead to what we want in the future, to what we want, the story that we want told when our life is nothing more than the story to tell. What story do we want told? And see, the thing is, every single adult in this room, and teenagers, teenagers, I want you to hear this real, real closely, okay? Teenagers, this is why your parents harp on you so much. This is why I harp on you. Pastor Ashley harps on you. Your small group leaders harp on you. Why we harp on you so much is because right now, there's not a whole lot on the line for you, but one day there will be, and if you're not disciplined now at looking ahead... If you're not disciplined in choosing what is wise, and if you're not disciplined in preserving your integrity, you'll fail. And the thing is that every single adult in this room can think of a time when they weren't looking ahead, they were only looking at the now, and they made a mistake. They made a mistake with their sexuality, and they gave something up that they couldn't get back. And for some of us, it changed our lives. 
They made, a, they made a mistake, and they chose the now, and they bought something that they actually couldn't afford. And they were in debt, and they're still in debt, and they're still paying for it. They, they weren't looking ahead, and they chose something now, and, and it took away an opportunity for them, from them and that was ahead of them in the future. Why? Because they were, they were only looking at the here and now, and they weren't upright. They weren't looking ahead, and they weren't, they weren't disciplined. That's why it's so important for you to be disciplined and to be a, a person of integrity, because if you're not, it costs you. And here's the thing for you. If, if, if I'm quick to abandon my integrity... If I'm quick to, to give it up, if, 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 if it's the moment that it's going to cost me, I abandon my integrity. Here, here's a question that you need to answer. What's really driving me? If you are so quick to abandon your integrity when something is on the line, then what is really driving you as a person? You owe it to yourself to answer that question. Because we all know people who have done that, right? We, we, we've all had that friend, that family member, that boss, that leader, that we expected them. We expected them to be a person of integrity. But, but when, when something was on the line, they abandoned their integrity. When we needed them to have integrity the most, they abandoned it. And what did we do? It cost us and them, but also it, it disappointed us, right? It, it caused a, a lack of trust, not only between us and them, but with other people as well. And we don't like seeing that in the world. But what we do like seeing is a person who can mess up. And when they mess up, they own up. And when they own up, they clean up. Now, we know people who do that, who mess up, own up, and clean up. And, man, those are people that we respect. Those are people that we, we hold in high esteem. And this is what's so important. I want you to hear this in this series. This is an important point, okay? The health of your relationship the health of your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your boss, with your community, with those who listen to you, the health of your relationship hinges, hinges on your, on your integrity, not your infallibility. I want you to hear that. And this is something that wasn't preached in the church for a long, long time, and still some churches are missing the mark, okay? It's not about being perfect, Actually, let's, let's repeat that all together. Ready? One, two, three. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being perfect. I tell my kids this all the time. They mess up all the time. And my kids do the thing. I'm stupid. I hate myself. This is the worst day ever. I say, hey, look, we're all stupid. I'm st your mom's stupid too, son. It's okay, all right? I get it, all right? No, I don't really say that. I say I'm stupid, you're right? But here's the thing. It's not about being perfect. You made a mistake. Everybody's going to make a mistake. It's not about infallibility. It's about integrity. It's about when you do mess up, you own up, and you clean up. That's what integrity is really about. Now, if we go back to this proverb, this is what it says. But, but the crookedness, the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. And again, the crookedness, right? The crookedness. Those who are only looking at the here and now, only looking at what's one in front of them, oh man, 
the crookedness and the treacherous. You know that word in Hebrew, the word treacherous? It literally means to cover up. So he's saying those, though, the integrity of the upright, it guides them. But those who are crooked, those who are only looking at the here and now and what's in front of them and are only just trying to get through this moment and do not have their complete story intact, right, in their perception, they will always mess up and then cover up. Mess up and then cover up. And man, living that kind of life, that will destroy you. It will destroy you. But the crookedness of the treacherous, it will destroy them. So let me ask you a question, okay? You all want to be person of in, people, people of integrity. You all want to preserve your integrity. Here's the thing. You will not know if you are a person of integrity until it costs you. And this is my prayer for you that you're going to absolutely hate, okay? My prayer for you is over these next five weeks is that you come into an opportunity where it is required of you to have integrity. And how you will know is it, it's a moment of integrity is you will have to do the right thing because it's the right thing and it will cost you. And so I would love if you come into a situation where you have to do the right thing because it's the right thing and it costs you, and you write me an email or send me a text and says, I hate you. <laughs> and I hate you because you put me in this situation where I had to do the right thing. I could choose to either just get through this, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to get through this. But instead, because you're a stupid pastor, I heard that voice. I heard that ought to that I hold everybody else accountable to, that holds sway over you, that didn't originate with you, that whole stupid little, you know, Dr. Seuss saying that you've been saying these last two weeks. And I, I chose to be upright, look ahead, and I did the right thing, and it cost me. Cost me a promotion, cost me some money, cost me peace with my mom and my dad, cost, cost me peace with my friends. Man, that really tears me up. And I will say, peace be with you. I will also, I'll also say, aha, right? I mean, I, that's what I'll do. But you know what? That's what, we have, that's what we have to exercise. It's what we have to do in order to not be hypocrites, in order to be people of integrity, in order to acknowledge the rule of God that he has written on our heart. Now, for some of you, it's not just about the future. It's that right now, you're in a situation where you have not had integrity. And so I need to ask everybody a question real quick this morning. Have you messed up? Have you, have you messed up recently? Have you messed up relationally? Has, has proximity caused friction with somebody close to you? Someone you love? Have you messed up? Follow-up question. Have you owned up? I know for some of you, it's a little slice of the pie, right? Big pie, right? Maybe you have a little slice. Maybe you have a big slice. I don't care how big it is. It may be a sliver. Have you owned up to your piece of the pie? Have you owned up to it? Or have you said, well, the reason I lied was, well, the reason I cheated, well, the reason I did that was, but, 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 but. Get your butts out of the situation, okay? There are no butts. Nope. People of integrity don't have butts. They got little slim butts, okay? They got baggy jeans, no butt, all right? You should not be a person without a butt. Have you messed up? Yes, period. Have you owned up? Have you said, I did it, it's my bad, I'm sorry? 
Now, what do you need to do to clean it up? And, and let me give you some peace, okay? Because I, I, got, I got pulled into a situation, okay? Not here, it's outside here, so don't think that I'm not a pastor of integrity, okay? I got pulled into a situation somewhere else, and I, and I had a little, 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 I mean, if, if there's a piece of the pie, it's like I flicked off a piece of the crust, okay? That was the only part that I actually did anything wrong, okay? And it could be very highly debated whether it was actually wrong or not, okay? But anyway, I got called into a meeting, and they're like, do you want to say anything? And I owned up. I said, hey, yeah, I, I, if I could go back in time, I probably would have not said that, and, 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 I, and I own that. I own that. And then, I, and then it, apparently there, there's a, somebody who's mad at me out in the world somewhere that I've never met or talked to, but they're mad at me. <laughs> and, I, and I apparently have a reputation with somebody. And I say, hey, let me go talk to that person. Let, let me go clear that up. I, I'll do, you know, as far as it depends on me, go try to be at peace with everybody is what Paul says. So I said, let me go clean that up. And they told me, no. They said, we're not going to let you clean this up. So here's the thing. You can do your best to clean up this mess, but let me tell you this. I'll give you a little piece because some of you are going to have this happen to me because it happened, it happened to me too. You're going to offer to clean it up, and somebody's not going to let you clean it up because you know why? Because they like being mad at you because bitterness is a poison that some people enjoy, okay? So here's the thing. Have you messed up? Then own up. And as you own up, do your best to clean it up. Do it as far as it depends on you. Clean it up. And if they don't want you to clean it up, oh, man, saved you a conversation then. All right, well, then you're good, right? Then dust, dust, dust your feet off is what the Scripture says. Then dust your feet off and go on your way. But if you haven't, if you have had a failure of integrity and you've, oh, life alert, um, <laughs> If you, have, if you have messed up, though, and you've tried to excuse your way through it, don't do it. It's a failure of integrity. And that's not who you want to be, and I know that's not who you are. Can I pray for you this morning? Father God. Father God, we come to you today, and I pray that we would be people of integrity. That when we mess up, we would own up. We would do our best to clean up. God, when we're in proximity with one another, man, there's friction. There's things going on. And there, there's going to be times where we, we do the wrong thing, where we make a mistake. God, would you help us to be people of integrity in those situations? Nowhere else we can go to get better at being a person of integrity. Nowhere we could point our kids on who to be like or where to learn about integrity. It's just you, God. It's you that we have. So would we lean on you? Would we trust on you? Would we rely on you? Would we choose a posture of looking ahead? Would we choose a posture that looks ahead at the future? When our life is nothing more than a story to tell, we want to tell a good story. So would you help us to not abandon our integrity for just what's in front of us, for what we could grab, for the short term, for the little fixes. But would you help us to look ahead at the long run of who we want to be in the future and the relationships we want to have and the, the health of our well-being and our finances and, and the, the, the health of others as well, God. 
Would you help us to live that way and to be people of integrity, Lord? In your name we pray. Amen.